attentive. Brethren, having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once yielded your members to impurity and to greater and greater iniquity, so now yield your members to righteousness for sanctification. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But then what did return did you get from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the return you get is sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home in terrible, terrible distress. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion answered him, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority, with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled, and said to those who followed him, Truly I say to you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and sit at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. There men will weep and gnash their teeth. And to the centurion Jesus said, Go, be it done for you as you have believed. And the 
the servant was healed at that very moment. Glory to you, O Lord. Glory to you. Peace be to you who read the good tidings and to all the people. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In today's Gospel reading, we have the privilege to be witnesses of this wonderful encounter between Christ and this centurion. And the centurion says something very, very important. First of all, he confesses before Jesus his unworthiness. He sees the fact that he is unworthy to invite this Messiah, the Christ, this great teacher and prophet, someone who has the authority of God and carries with him the grace of God and the charisma of the presence of the Holy Spirit into his household. This is very important because it shows his humility. But he also then says, I am under authority and I'm also a man of authority. I say to those who are under me, go here or do this. And they go and they do as he commands them. He's able to say to his slave, I want this done, and the slave doesn't. But what he doesn't say, which is even more important, is that when those over him tell him to go here or there, or to do this or that, he being under authority, being obedient to that authority, follows through and carries out the word of him who is over him. It's not enough for him to be a man of authority, for him to understand obedience. Even more importantly, he has to be obedient to understand what he is asking Jesus to do. For this entire gospel passage is about obedience, one of the cardinal virtues of the Christian life, one of the chief characteristics, I would say, of Christ himself. He tells Jesus, you don't need to go and be in the physical presence of my servant. All you need to do, because of your authority, is say the word, and my servant will be healed. Now keep in mind that a centurion in the Roman army was someone of rank. He had a hundred soldiers under him, but he wasn't. A general. He was definitely someone who had to serve in obedience under those above him. And there were many above a centurion. Jesus also understands humility very well. I love this passage in the beginning of John. It's always considered the prologue of his gospel. It says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. 
And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him, not anything that was made was made. He is one with the Father, co-creator with the Father and the Holy Spirit. All things are held together by His authority. He not only creates, but He sustains and He maintains. He never takes His gaze off of His creation, but maintains it by the power of His will and His authority. So when we think of the authority of the centurion, it doesn't even compare to the authority of Almighty God. And yet we know that this Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, was perfectly obedient to His Father. I want to step away from the obedience of Christ for a moment, and I want to talk about the virtue of obedience itself. One of the great fathers of the church, one of the great saints, the founder of monasticism as we know it today, is probably St. Anthony the Great. And one of the things that he taught was on obedience. He says the following. He says the truly intelligent person. And I don't mean someone who's book smart, who gets good grades in school, but someone who is smart in the eyes of God. This person pursues one and only one objective. To obey and conform to the God of all. With this single aim in view, to obey God, he disciplines his soul, and whatever he may encounter in the course of his life, he gives thanks to God for the compass and depth of his providential ordering of all things. To prove this point, if we look at the gospel passage... When the centurion says to Jesus, I'm unworthy for you to enter under the roof of my house. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. Jesus says something that he doesn't often say. He marveled. And he said to those who were following him, keep in mind that these are his apostles, his beloved disciples who were closest to him. He uses the example of the centurion to teach these men who will be the pillars of the church. Truly, I say to you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and sit at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. Their men will weep and gnash their teeth. Why? Not just because of the faith, but because of the humility and the obedience of the centurion. He understood that all Jesus needed to do was say the word and his servant would, at that moment, instantly be healed. And he marveled at this. 
One of the modern elders who has fallen asleep in the Lord and is waiting to be canonized, who was known for his obedience. As a matter of fact, the whole book is written about his life, and it's entitled, Obedience is Life. Elder Ephraim of Katunaikia of Mount Athos was a spiritual son of Elder Joseph the Hesychast. He says the following about this virtue of obedience that every Christian should have. Obedience will bring about all things. Obedience will bring about grace. All the passions are healed little by little through obedience. Neither ordination, nor fasting, nor all the ascetic practices save. Only obedience. Obedience works miracles. Obedience is humility. It will bring about every gift. Through obedience, Christ bestows prayer. True experience of God, known as theology, is an outflow of obedience. When you do not have obedience, you do not have anything. And even if you have something, it will be taken away. Nothing happens without obedience. Obedience is life. Elder Ephraim of Katunaikia. So now returning to the obedience of Christ. In John chapter 4, verses 31 and 34, this is during the encounter of Jesus with the Samaritan woman, who later became Fotini. The disciples beseech him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But Jesus says to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him food? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. This is the Son of Man, the Son of God, and His very food, His sustenance, His nourishment was to do the will of the Father who sent Him and to accomplish His work. And to prove that, I go to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. It says the following, Have this mind of Christ among yourselves, who emptied Himself, taking the form of a servant, Being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. It was to fulfill the will of the Father and to do what love demanded of him for our benefit, that he willingly ascended the cross and endured all of the passion and all of the pain and suffering, all of the rejection of the world, in order to say on the cross, it is finished. I have fulfilled my obedience perfectly to the Father. And Paul says here to the Philippians, have this mind among yourselves that is found in Christ Jesus. So my dear brothers and sisters, who are we to be obedient to? First and foremost, we are to be obedient to the church. The church is the full deposit of what Christ handed down to His disciples. 
St. John says at the end of his gospel that if everything that Jesus ever said or did were to be written down, not all the books in the world could contain it. But the church contains it. The church is the mind of Christ. And so to be obedient, we must first and foremost be obedient to the church. And all that it offers us, it brings us into union with Christ and the Godhead. We should be obedient to our spiritual fathers, to our priests, our bishops, to those who hear our confessions, to those that we go to for counsel and guidance, who bear within them also the mind of the church, who do not say anything of their own, but offer back to you what the church has held everywhere, by all, and at all times. Husbands should be obedient to their wives, wives to their husbands, as to Christ. For in doing this, you imitate as a wife the church, and as a husband you imitate Christ, who is the perfect bridegroom. Children, you should be obedient to your parents. The scriptures say that those who are obedient to their parents, for them it will go well. For their parents are put in that position by God Himself. Parents, you should be obedient to the needs of your children. They give you every opportunity to fulfill every commandment of Christ. And to adorn your soul with all the virtues. Now notice I said, to the needs of your children. Do not be obedient to every one of their desires, all of their wants, and all of their whims. For that is not good for them. It is not loving. It is not godly. It does not represent the mind of Christ. Finally, although the list could go on and on, but I will not go on and on, you should be obedient to the Holy Scriptures. The Holy Scriptures, the Orthodox Church does not even use the word inspired, although we believe they are inspired. Rather, the Orthodox Church's Church uses language like this. Because the Church comes first, and because the Scriptures, speaking namely of the New Testament, weren't even canonized until the end of the 4th century, the Church... The apostles, their descendants, and all of the Holy Fathers in every age, in every generation, everywhere, deem the writings of sacred scripture to be apostolic, to represent the fullness of truth, to represent the mind of Christ, to represent that which is held and lived and passed on from generation to generation, beginning with Christ, to the apostles, to their successors, to the present day, everywhere. This is what apostolic means. It is the ultimate written authority in the church. It is the foundation and the framework and the skeleton of all of the liturgical services, of all of the feast days, of all of the remembrances and the commemorations that we bring together and celebrate in the now to commemorate salvation history. 
We need to be obedient to what the scriptures say in the face of a world and a society that is reinterpreting it to match whatever they want it to. That is saying that it is old-fashioned and outdated and no longer represents truth. How can that be? How can God, who is unchangeable, who is the truth, who is the life, who is the way, how can He change His mind or His word? If we want to have a compass in front of us in order to navigate our way through our life, to be able to give that to our children and our grandchildren and their offspring, and still have a way to point north that doesn't change as God doesn't change, then we need to be obedient to the Scriptures. We need to be able to say with the centurion, Word of God, give us your Word, and we will obey it. For you have the ultimate authority. You are the creator, you are the sustainer, you are the maintainer, you are perfect love, you are the compass. And if we follow your direction, we will not only find life eternal, but we will be in communion with you and have joy unspeakable and fulfillment insatiable and grow from glory to glory to glory. Amen.